welcome everyone to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. My name is Irvin Nugent, and as always, I'm lucky to have my co-host and collaborator with me, Bridget Tyre. Bridget, how are you doing today? Irvin, thanks for asking. I am doing, let's see, let me be thoughtful. I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, feeling good. I've been traveling. I didn't get sick. I was around some people who tested positive for COVID. I did not get COVID. Yay? Nope, I did not. I came back from visiting a dear friend. I'm in a great place, and it's lovely to be here with you. And, and I know that you are celebrating a little bundle of joy in your life recently. Tell the listeners about that. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation to do that. I'll keep it really brief. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we just welcomed our third grandchild. My son had his first baby, a baby boy named Jace. He's three weeks old and he's rocking it already. I love it. I love it. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Well, today's episode, we are going to talk about creating rewarding workplaces. Now, I know in some past episodes that we've discussed, you know, the reality of of modern day workplaces, that there's a real tremendous shift going on. We're really realizing, I think we're beginning to understand what is this. And, and, you know, this just didn't start with COVID. I think it exacerbated perhaps what was there. But, you know, some of the statistics are really alarming. I read one recently from Everett College that said 83% of workers are reporting higher levels of stress and anxiety. Um, 49% said that that was caused by poor communication. 35% said it was caused by their boss. And a whopping 65% said that they are actively considering quitting their jobs. Mm. So certainly there's a lot going on in our workplaces. And I thought it would be great to really think about uh, how do we create attractive workplaces? And Mm -hmm. we're going to approach this for a little bit of reverse engineering And we're going to look at our five primal needs as human beings and see how they impact us in the workplace and how we can use them Mm -hmm. to create rewarding workplaces. And boy, is that needed now more than ever, right? Because if we're not working in what we assess to be a rewarding workplace, we have other options and we will find them. So, So we got to look at, you know, as leaders, what are the keys and, and you're mm. mentioning this notion of primal needs. Mm. And so, so what are these primal needs that we all share, Irvin? Yeah, well, there's a little acronym that you can use to remember them, ABCs, ABC squared, and it's ABCCS. And they stand for approval, belonging, control, certainty, and safety. Mm. And when any one of these five are threatened, what happens is that we are triggered into reactive behaviors, which of course show up in workplace anxiety. And why they're important, we are going to talk about how they cause anxiety. But here's the clue. We also know that if we are diligent 
in trying to create workplaces that address issues of approval, belonging, control, certainty, and safety, then we also trigger the reward circuitry in the brain and we can create workplaces that are truly rewarding. And we know that people don't leave rewarding workplaces. They tend Mm -hmm. to stay there. So Bridget, I'm curious, you coach a lot of different professional clients in different settings. What have you experienced? Are you experiencing this shift of anxiety in the workplace? And how's that showing up in, with some of your clients? Well, of course, during COVID, there was lots of anxiety, particularly in the early phases of it, right? And now we've sort of weathered that storm and we're on the other side of it. And one would think, well, then everything's great. You know, we're all relieved. We're all uh, much less anxious. But I don't think that's true across the board. Mm. I think it depends on where you work. I I coach some leaders in education and Mm -hmm. those systems are still highly anxious. I mean, finding teachers, holy smokes, that's a real challenge, right? Uh, I think that other industries, healthcare, I I coach some, some leaders in healthcare. There are some significant challenges finding nurses and other people. And I just think we're still getting used to the hybrid situation. We're still transitioning to that. And for some people, that is creating some anxiety because the, the, the line between when you stop working, right, and when you're home is so blurred that I think there's some angst about that still. Yeah. So even though one would say, boy, we should be free and clear of anxiety, I, I don't think that's the case. I think there's yeah. still a fair amount of it circulating in us and in mm-hmm. our workplaces. So that's a great segue then. Let, let's begin to really think about and, and talk a little bit about the impact of anxiety on the workplace. Now, we've discussed this in, in a number of different episodes, and you can go back to episode 12 or the previous episode as well, but I think it's always great just to have a little bit of a summary around that. So, Bridget, let's remind our viewers what we mean when we talk about anxiety and its impact in the workplace. Yeah, I think it's important to define it and redefine it because when we hear anxiety, sometimes we think about anxiety disorders. And of course, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a fundamental condition for humans. And we define anxiety as the state of unease in the face of imagined or real threats. Mm. And it's an evolutionary force of nature. It exists to help us survive. And so if we weren't anxious, we wouldn't live very long. And if (laughs) You know, we, if our businesses and organizations didn't have some anxiety humming in the background, they might not last very long because it yeah. can be that galvanizing force at its best to help us detect threats and mm-hmm. face into them, right? Yep. And here's the thing. Sometimes, in fact, maybe often, especially now, the amount of anxiety that we feel in ourselves or in our teams and our families is sometimes about anxiety that we are anticipating or we are thinking might happen, but haven't materialized yet. And yet there's a worry that is very palpable. Or maybe, maybe the anxiety is about a minor threat that our amygdala, right, has fired us up repeatedly. And the threat is DEFCON 5 when really it's much more minor than that. So it's a tricky thing. It's absolutely essential to our survival. And yet, and yet so much of the anxiety we experience is trumped up, shall we say? Yep. 
Absolutely. And what I love about that is you're kind of pointing as well to the reality that anxiety, you know, has really two pathways in the brain that come to us. The first is, you know, that pathway off, off the amygdala, the emotional center of the brain. And, and this is this, this instinctive reaction to something that's happening. We, we just go into automatic and that's a survival technique. So if you've ever been in, like I was driving in the Georgia Washington Beltway last week, and there's a, a lane there that goes and you merge from two into one. And the person next to me, even though it was my right of way, was not going to give me the right of way. Yeah. Kind of, but, but, you know, uh, Fred, my husband was sitting next and, and, and he had a real shock. And, and you could just see the, the pure rush of adrenaline through him. He's like, oh my God, you're going to crash, you're going to crash. And so, you know, that was this, this anxiety which just in that moment. And then the second you, you also alerted to as well is this thought process that goes in our worries and our concerns, this cortex-based anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how many times do we find ourselves replaying things that have happened in meetings or anticipating something that's going to happen in a meeting? And we, we, we work ourselves into anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. And so this, this is important. It's important because it impacts our behavior. So maybe Bridget, would you talk a little bit about what are some of the most common things we see, common behaviors in the workplace because of these uh, this anxiety within us? Yeah, I think the first place to look is around decision making. You know, mm. what happens to decision making when the people making the decisions are really anxious? Yeah. And we tend to go to the extremes when we're anxious. Yep. So one is you're going to see quick fixes and people just yep. throwing stuff. Let's get let's get something done here which isn't necessarily bad all the time, right? But it may be premature. And then you'll see the opposite of that, which is not deciding at all and becoming paralyzed by analysis, right? So that's something Mm -hmm. we can look at. We can look at conflict. What happens to conflict when anxiety is on the rise? For some people, they become more combative, more confrontational. And others have the, what a colleague referred to lately as the disease to please, And so there's sort of smoothing over and appeasing behavior to keep things tamped down. Yeah. Yeah. And then just how do we handle feeling maybe out of control? Do we start to micromanage? Do we start to insert ourselves unnecessarily into the details? Or do we just sort of wash our hands and give people lots of room, so much room that they can hang themselves. I mean, we go to the extremes when we're anxious and that's something that we can be mindful of, right? And of course, none of those behaviors create a wonderfully rewarding workplace. (laughs) Absolutely not. Oh, I've been in a few of those and they were anything but rewarding. So they were, (laughs) it starts you in a vicious circle of more anxiety. Absolutely. So Taking that, so we know, therefore, that if we're going to create rewarding workplaces, that we have to change these patterns. And I think what we want to examine really today is that one of the ways that we can actually begin to look at changing those patterns is getting to the root, really, of what causes some of that anxiety. And we already began with, you know, these five primal needs when threatened are direct causes of anxiety. However, they also are the clues to helping us create rewarding workplaces. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's important that we kind of begin to look at these five core areas. Yeah, because it's like a toolbox for leaders, right? You want to create a rewarding workplace so that you have engaged employees, so that you have low turnover, 
what's the toolbox you draw on? And you know, you already mentioned the acronym, the ABC squared. So A is for approval. That's the first tool. You know, I think of approval as the basic human desire to feel respected, valued, appreciated. You know, what's the impact of, of approval in the workplace and, and on people's levels of, of anxiety? Yeah, well, you know, we are social beings and we've mentioned this before. And so part of our very makeup, our DNA, is that we are constantly scanning the environment for signs of approval from significant others and from different spaces in our lives. We, we tend to live in tribes. It's how we developed as human beings. And so do we fit in or do we uh, have approval? Now, think about the last time you were in a meeting and you had a little presentation to give to the boss. You know, if you had like cameras all around that room, you would see these little micro glances at the boss. What, what's the boss's body language? Is, am I getting a nod? Am I getting approval? We can't help ourselves, you know, because this is part yeah. of, of fitting in. And if we're getting nothing, you know, we, we, our anxiety level tends to rise. If we get people who are enjoying it, saying things, nodding their heads, then our anxiety level is lessened. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, part of this, I think, is is really reflecting on our self-worth and our level of self-worth. You know, how secure do we feel in ourselves? And I think, you know, when we have very low self-worth, then we begin to question certain things. We begin to question our contributions, the worth of them. Is it really worth anything? I know as an entrepreneur, sometimes, you know, I'll look at other people around me uh, who are speakers or something, and I say, oh my God, they're so much better than me. And like, I'm writing this blog, this blog is useless or whatever, you know? So so we get into this cycle and it it raises our levels of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, you know, we also know that being... A leader at times means taking some critical stands. It means standing up and taking a clear stand that at times may have opposition from other people. And so if we don't have a strong self-approval, we don't have a strong sense of self-worth, that becomes ever more difficult. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as a leader as well, I think it's important for us to create workplaces where we do give signals. Yeah. You know? where we don't be poker-faced uh, from people that we really, and this is not to be disingenuous, but to right. actually give genuine compliments, to to really voice uh, and help people understand they are making a difference and that their contribution is appreciated. All of those really, that's why it is so important in the workplace because it really helps people address one of these core needs that we have. Yeah, the sending the signals. I like how you said that. And and there's lots of ways we can do it. I mean, it's as simple as the example you gave of nodding when people are speaking and presenting and giving them eye contact and so forth. But it's also something as simple as saying, you know, here's how your contribution made a difference mm-hmm. and connecting the dots for people because they don't always know that. Absolutely. Um, and being explicit about yeah. how their contribution made a difference or even just asking the people who work for you, hey, what's a, what's a way that you feel you've made a difference lately that's really meaningful to you? Yeah, yeah. You know? You know yeah, it's interesting you say that. You know, I was just having a coaching session yesterday, and, and my client has a, it's a difficult relationship with their boss. It's, it, it's had its moments, its ups and downs, but they were both working on a project that's, that's coming up, and it required a lot of hours. And she said, you know, my boss 
at least three different times sent me an email or called me to thank me for my work. And it, you could just hear the tone of her voice change. And you could just see, you know, some of that anxiety, just it was almost a breathing out. And so you can just feel kind of how this creates an atmosphere that's just bringing anxiety down and increasing the reward. Mm-hmm. Yep. Such a simple tool. But I think, again, what happens is we sometimes overlook it. Yep. We sometimes forget that it's in our toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. So Bridget, our second core need is belonging. So how does belonging impact anxiety and how might we use it to create workplace reward? Well, you were just talking about the fact that we are social beings at our Mm -hmm. core, right? And from an evolutionary perspective, we survived if we were part of a tribe and we didn't survive if we were outside a tribe. Mm -hmm. So deep within our DNA is a yearning and a longing to belong, to feel part of. And when we do, it's intrinsically rewarding. And when we don't, it's highly threatening. And again, it's a tool that leaders can draw upon, you know, and there's a reflection here, I think, for all of us who, who manage teams and manage companies is what is the level of felt belonging in this team and in this organization? Who feels like they belong and who might feel like they're on the outskirts, mm-hmm. right? You know, some of the recent efforts that organizations have made around diversity, inclusion, and equity programs, I think that's part of right? Creating a more rewarding workplace where where more people can feel that they have a voice, they have a place and that they fit and belong. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think just stepping back to say in this team or in this organization, who's got a seat at the table and whose voices are heard the most and who whose voices need to be heard more so that they feel part of mm-hmm. the group and they belong. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And how can we make sure, and we'll get into this a little bit, that it's safe for people to sound those voices. Exactly. And that's why safety is, is another primal yeah. need, right? They go hand yeah. in hand. I, I was just wondering though, Irvin, so when, you know, and all the folks that you, that you've coached, can you, Share with listeners maybe an example of a leader that you think did a pretty good job of creating a sense of approval and belonging and therefore created some uh, a rewarding team experience. Yeah. A leader that comes to mind who, and again, this wasn't massive, but here, here's, here's what's, it was consistent. And one of the things that they did consistently with all their team meetings is that they took a few minutes at the beginning to really um, have a check-in. It was a check-in question, something. It created, I think, an atmosphere that that this person cares about where I'm at today. And, you know, and they were always saying, you know, one of their goals was that to create an atmosphere where it was okay for people to say, I don't know. It was okay for people to say, I need help. And so that belonging. And then the, the other thing is that they they always did an offsite. And, and 
you know, kind of COVID disrupted that a little bit, but but they always did an offsite, and and in that offsite, there always was time for some form of socialization or something that people could get to know each other. And he always he always encouraged people to have you know little meetings, twenty minute meetings, check in meetings with each other as well. So it was this this carefully crafted sense that I am creating community, mm-hmm. um, that I'm creating a team, and that. You know, that goes at the core of what we've been talking about, about feeling the need to belong and feeling the need to be appreciated and being approved. Yeah, I love that you brought up community because that's mm-hmm. such a great word for belonging. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Are we creating a sense of community? And it's yeah. an interesting balance, approval and belonging, because approval is about the individual, right? Yeah. And yeah. belonging is about the group. And both mm-hmm. are so important. Yeah. 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 And again, with the things that we're talking about in terms of what leaders can do, don't cost you anything, mm. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> um, and they're not even necessarily inordinately taxing in terms of the time investment. We just have to remember to do them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, so approval belonging, what's the, what's the next one? Approval belonging. And certainty. Certainty. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it should come as no surprise that as human beings that we like to feel certain and secure. And of course, we like to know what's happening in our lives. We like to know what's happening next. And however, here we are in a world that is robbing that at a quicker pace each and every day. And, you know, certainty is very hard to come by. Nothing is certain anymore. And we are, we're living in times of unprecedented change. And what's more, that ain't slowing down. That's just part and parcel of living as a human being in 2022. And, you know, it's so quick at times, it's even hard to process. It, it is mind how much our world is changing. And so, you know, that impacts so many different areas of our lives. But let me just pull out one where I think perhaps this certainty can impact workplaces and leadership. And that's with decision making. We mentioned it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. At times, you know, it used to be that we could make decisions with 100% clarity. And those days are gone. <laughs> you know, leaders today are scrambling to make decisions in a space with so many unknowns and where there is little certainty. And of course, that gets to the whole whole question of how much risk am I willing to take? And it's a great cause of anxiety. And one of the ways that I kind of like to address this is by flipping that and that, yes, okay, uh, there's a lot of risk. But then I always like to ask, you know, well, what's the risk in not taking the decision? What's the risk in not speaking up? What's the risk? Your organization needs your voice, this decision at this time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, kind of think about a time when you made a decision that you just weren't sure about and it turned out for the rest. Can you think of what that felt like? Oh, well, that felt wonderful. It felt, you know, there was this release of, of pure joy that I got something right. So, I, and I think that's the balance and the focus that we have to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that you're connecting the primal need of certainty to being clear and being clear about decisions and making mm-hmm. decisions. Because the truth of the matter is, we can't give people certainty, no. right? But yeah. we can give people more clarity yeah. about how a decision is going to be made, who's going to make it, what the decision actually is, what the risk and reward proposition is around that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a question I'd like to give 
my clients that is directly related, I think, to this primal need, which is to think about where might you need to be clearer about mm. what and with whom. Invariably, there's some place where people need a pinch more of clarity from you, whether it's about a decision or an expectation or a role or responsibility or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Things that aren't clear, a a confusing, uncertain, unclear workplace is highly threatening and not very rewarding, bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. So a close cousin of our friend certainty would be control. And uh, Bridget, talk a little bit about that. How how um, about how does control and the need for control impact anxiety in the workplace? Well, again, we are born with a desire to exert control over our lives. I mean, I'm watching my children raise children, and I'm being reminded of toddlers and their will to control. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it surfaces at such a young age. And so we are beings that want to feel in control of our day, our destiny, our careers, our lives. And so the question becomes, for leaders, this is a a very powerful tool in creating a more rewarding and less threatening workplace, which is just to say, where can we give people a greater sense of control Mm -hmm. over what they're doing, over how they're doing it, Mm -hmm. where they're doing it, in what way? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, when you work for somebody, you give up control, of course. We're not saying mm-hmm. just let everybody do whatever they want. But but to be in that conversation about where could we give people more choice? And I think we talked about that many episodes ago about how choice yeah. can be a powerful motivator. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And really, you know, choice and, and having that sense of there's so many things out of our control so it, to bring into our orbit, what, what are some things that I can do today that are within my control, at least in my influence? And that becomes really important, uh, I think, in our lives. Mm-hmm. So safety is the last one. Is that right? Or did I skip yeah. one? Yeah. No. Okay. So, so how about safety? Is it, is it connected to control? And what about safety? Because, of course, we're not really talking about physical safety, although... Mm-hmm. During COVID, we were. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think I think that's very basic. I think most people would understand that if we don't feel safe, then anxiety is a product of that. And as you say, thankfully, many of us do not have to live with physical safety issues, but emotional safety is massive. It's it's huge. And when we feel emotionally threatened, we go into an instinctual response, you know, fight or flight, freeze or appease, tend or befriend. And these are instinctive reactions, and they are so common within our workplace. And I think, therefore, it's really important for leaders to consider, how do I create spaces where people feel safe? And, you know, often it is not these huge things, but it's, it's really, I think, leaders displaying by example and mm-hmm. setting an example. So, for example, but how do we deal with mistakes? And it's this this acknowledgement that if I make a mistake, we're not going to hold it against you personally. Or what happens in the workplace if you get something wrong? And it's okay to be wrong. And if you're wrong, we're not going to use it against you. We're not going to bring it up. And I mentioned this earlier, if I need help, is it okay for me to ask? And so it's really powerful when a leader is able to say, you know what? I need help in this. I I, I don't know. Help me out here. 
Or if you change your mind, that's okay. Considering the world that we're in and certainty, uh, when we have little of it, it's okay to change your mind and people will, be, will accept that and accept your humility that saying, you know what, I, I made a decision here and I'm going to change my mind. And the other thing is to be able to interpret people's actions in the best light, that to give them some grace. Mm-hmm. And I think this creates a place where people begin, can kind of breathe out a little more. And also it creates a wonderful workplace where, you know, I can take a little bit of a risk. I can make a decision. I can experiment. I can be curious. All of these things are, are things that we know that we need in workplaces. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this final attribute can really help. I like that you're bringing up assuming positive intent. Mm. No, I think that's so important. And also, though, that the best way maybe to create a safe and therefore rewarding workplace is through leaders modeling it. Because Mm -hmm. if a leader says, boy, I'm really struggling here. I need some help figuring this out. Yeah. Or I really don't know the answer here, but I need your help. Together we can figure it out. They're modeling that it's safe for their employees to say the same things. If yeah. they don't model it, forget it. No one's yeah. going to stick their neck Absolutely out. Absolutely not. Right? Yeah. yeah. You have a good example, Bridget, of a client who was able to, you know, model or navigate through the core needs of, we've talked about certainty, control, and safety. Well, you know, I'm thinking of a client that I coached who was part of a senior team. And as we were working together, she sort of, shared the assessment that she didn't feel there was enough psychological safety in the team for people to really speak up. And some people didn't feel like they belonged. So there were the people who thought I belong. And then there were the people who were like, I'm not sure I belong here. And not everybody was really sharing their voice. Hmm. And so the interesting thing is what she decided to do about that, which is that she got really curious about this concept of psychological safety, which she had read an article about. And she asked her boss, the CEO, well, she shared her assessment and he, he agreed. And she said, I'm really interested in this topic. What if I do some research on it and then share what I learn about it with the team? And maybe we could just explore this as a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. He said, sure, go for it. And she learned all about it and she created a couple of informal presentations and they kind of worked on it as a priority, you know, in the team. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm, I love that. That's really great. Yeah. You know, because she could have just folded her arms and said, well, nothing to do here. Yeah. So I thought that was a way of taking ownership that was pretty admirable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So. So I think we finished we the, have. the toolbox, right? We yep. covered them all. So we have a lot, it's a lot for people to think about. I like yep. the acronym of ABC's C squared, right? Yep. But we always leave people with a, a practice. So I don't know, Irvin, do you, what do you suggest? Yeah, I'm thinking to practice, I'm going to call getting to the core. So we've got these core. So, you know, three steps. One is when we feel triggered or anxious, to stop and ask, you know, what am I feeling anxious about? What's going on here? And then if I had to classify this into one of those core needs, what would it be? Is it approval, belonging, certainty, control, safety? Which one of those am I feeling triggered about? And then 
when you've kind of chosen one and you don't have to get it right. I mean, you know, this is not a, it, it's really, you know, a, an exercise to really focus on the, to the best you can and then choose an action that might lower your level of anxiety. Or if you're a leader, choose an action that could build more reward within the workplace. Mm-hmm. So say for approval, it might be read a recommendation you, you, you receive from someone or a testimonial from a client or an annual review that you love. Or if a leader, make sure that you're giving enough approval to others. And belonging, you know, what's a concrete action I could do to get to know another person in the team a little bit better? Can I take someone out to coffee, create a little bit of community? Or if it's certainty, you know, the question I ask is, what's, I know there's risk in making a decision, but what's the risk of not making a decision? Or control, you know, I know that this is out of my control, but what's in my control? What can I do now or what's in my influence? And then finally, safety. And, you know, very often when safety, we go into the the fight or flight action and just breathing can really just help us kind of stop. And then am I really unsafe here? What's happening? And then kind of move to more. How can I build up some safety within me? How can I build them some safety within the workplace? I love that, Irvin. Yeah. I like the title, Getting to the Core. Mm. And, and that we don't have to focus on all five simultaneously. Mm, one, we can yeah. pick one and start yep. there and use your gut to inform you as to which one to pick and be a little bit more intentional about, right? Uh, yep. Either in terms of creating more of a reward for ourselves or creating more of a reward for our team. Yeah, it goes both ways, right? Well, that practice to me so beautifully summarized this episode and what we Mm. talked about. And that at the end of the day, people stay in rewarding workplaces. People engage and give their whole self to rewarding workplaces. And Mm. a leader has a huge impact on whether a workplace is rewarding or threatening, right? Love it. Let's tee up our next episode. And this is one we've been thinking about doing for a while. Have we not, Irvin? We have. We have talked about this. And so we're finally going to do it next episode. (laughs) Yay. And I think we're calling it, who are you? Mm -hmm. A leader, a manager, or both? And I can't wait to dive into that topic. Very juicy. Very juicy. So thank you listeners for being with us. We so appreciate you taking this journey with us. Spread the word, of course, if you think this particular episode is something that your colleagues would be interested in hearing. And we look forward to joining with you next time. Irvin, it was a pleasure as always. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, listeners. And have a wonderful week ahead. Take care.